1: LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source, and amateur radio for everyone. Now, here are your hosts, Russ, k 5 ux Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD.
0: Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 383 of Linux in the Shack, the most terrific amateur radio podcast. On the internet, the one that, uh, well, we sort of paraphrased Dan, but he said it's slightly better than static. So, <laughs> <laughs> he didn't yeah, we say, fixed he, his original quote. He, he didn't say that. We just made it funny. Um, so anyway, we should probably just dive right into it. This is our short topic show. And the folks who are bringing you these wonderful short topics are myself, Russ K5TUX.
2: I'm Cheryl W5MOO. And I'm
0: Bill NE4RD and bill wants to talk about utes on the air so utes? let's get into our uh, our main topic for tonight because this is a whole month of utes that's right and it's our lead topic hey we finally got a lead topic
3: after <laughs> however many shit. yeah it's been, <laughs> been quite a few
0: yeah.
3: <laughs> but yeah december is a yoda month not yoda like in yoda not, not the child in the mandalorian yeah yeah, yeah no, no yoda no. No, this is the entire month of december <laughs> several youngsters or ute Will be uh, become active with Yoda as the uh, suffix in the call sign. The idea for this is to show the amateur radio hobby to youth and to encourage youngsters to be active uh, active on ham radio waves. Oh boy! <laughs> <laughs> uh, give a demonstration in a school or local club. Gather together with your friends, grab a pizza, and make some QSOs or enjoy a great pileup. Uh, let us let us all show this great hobby to the world. Feel free to make a QSO with the youngsters. They are happy to get some attention and exchange information. Licensed and unlicensed youth will be making QSOs. I'm sure with control operators. Uh, be aware this could be the their first radio contact ever, and give them a chance to experience a possible new hobby. So check it out. Link is in the show notes, and it's been mentioned a bunch of other places, of course. So uh, yeah, be uh, be on the lookout for some Ute Ute on the air.
0: <laughs> some Utes. All right, very good. And I think I worked a Yoda station the other day. It was a special event, Kilo Eight Yankee. I can't remember if I actually completed the QSO, but I know I definitely. I guess I could look it up. I'll do that when Cheryl reads the next story. <laughs> yeah, I caught you off guard, right? It's a nice, it's a nice short one. I picked an easy one. Okay.
2: So the next uh, story is the FCC to require email addresses on applications. <laughs> Amateur radio licensees and candidates will have to provide the FCC with an email address on applications, effective sometime in mid 2021. If no email address is included, the FCC may dismiss the application as defective. The FCC is fully transitioning to electronic correspondence and will no longer print or provide wireless licenses or licensees, excuse me, with hard copy authorizations or registrations by mail. In this case from the ARRL.
0: No mail for you. (laughs) <laughs> no mail for Utes. Okay,
2: so so here's my question.
0: What's yeah. what's your question? If you don't have an email address, there, yeah,
2: there are some elderly ham radio operators, I'm sure, that still don't
0: use email. Well, that's probably a little. Uh, so they, they almost gonna,
3: have to, because in order to do like the ULS, you had to sign up for the ULS, right. which gotcha. means you had to have an email address at some point in time in your history
0: and, <laughs> and call me crazy. But if you join the AWRL, you get an AWRL email address. So maybe this is, uh, well, yeah, yeah, you but get it's a forwarding
3: address. Yeah. It's right. not really yeah. a real address.
0: Yeah. I mean, Gmail is free for everybody. So
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would think that's probably not much of an issue.
0: Yeah, I would think so. <laughs>
3: Be a small minority. (laughs) Exactly.
0: All right. So yeah, and even if you never use your email address, you just have to. You could probably just put in something. (laughs) Fake it. Yeah, fake it. Do like a spam address, right? Do like people do when they want to get you know cheap Disney World tickets? Just use somebody else's address. Uh, (laughs) All right. So moving on, we have twenty twenty one updates to the CQ WPX contests. Oh, updates to contests. A new, quote, multi transmitter distributed category is being added to the CQ Worldwide WPX contest to better accommodate operators who wish to compete as a team without all being in the same physical location. Thanks, COVID. According <laughs> to CQ WPX contest directors, Bud Trench, AA3B, uh, who does the single side band and CW portions, and Ed Munns, W0YK, who does the Riddy. Warble, warble. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that's what you do. <laughs> the, new, <laughs> the, the new category will permit up to six separate stations in different locations, but all within the same DX entity and CQ zone, to operate as a single contest entry. This was inspired by innovations being made in response to the coronavirus pandemic. Yeah, I think I just said that. But Trench and Munn say the new category will be permanent. In addition. QSO alerting assistance will now be permitted in all single operator categories except the classic categories. This means that there will no longer be a separate listing or recognition for assisted versus unassisted and all classic overlay entries must be unassisted. Finally, classic overlay stations will now have a maximum operating time in each contest of 24 hours rather than the previous 36. Yeah. You, know, you get to go to bed early. That's nice. Yeah. Or
3: have a nap in between.
0: All right. Exactly. Uh, the rule change takes effect with the 2021 running of the WPX Contest, ready on February 13th and 14th of 2021, single sideband on March 27th and 28th, and CW on May 29th and 30th. Note, these changes apply only to the WPX Contest and not to the CQ Worldwide DX Contests. And that came from CQ Newsroom. CQ, CQ, CQ! CQ. <laughs> da, da 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 Okay.
3: Yeah, that's pretty comprehensive and uh, good for... Those stations that can take advantage of it. And, uh, it's nice to see, uh, getting rid of the assisted versus unassisted categories as well. So, and the WFPX one are the, is the good one, right? Because you can work and get prefixes of everybody. <laughs> get all your prefixes, like your KE4, KG4, KF4,
0: and everything else. <clears throat> yeah. And good tracker will keep track of those for you. There you
3: go. Well, <laughs> oh, except for good trackers. Well, I mean, I guess you could use it for your sideband or CW.
0: You stuff, certainly so. can. You don't have to use it for FT8. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Just in case you don't know where you're talking to. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. All right, so next story is oh, this is actually for people down south, although they are canvassing people everywhere. This is an opportunity to participate in the eclipse propagation experiment. Hamsai uh, that's people over at hamsi.org, is looking for amateur radio operators to help with a global campaign observing the ionospheric effects of the December 14th eclipse across South America. Data collection requires an HF radio connected to a computer. Uh, to participate, tune your most stable RF receiver to a 10 megahertz time standard station, tune down one kilohertz so that you hear the station's carrier signal and follow the instructions on the hamsi website to make a recording of the signals you hear. Record and upload as much as you can the week of December 9th through the 16th. And researchers will use your data to make a more complete picture of the ionosphere during this, this space weather event. Instructions are available in English, Espanol, and Portuguese. Uh, there will be a 24 hour practice run. Uh, well, actually that would happen, uh, yeah, you know, over the weekend before this comes out. So, uh, on December 5th. So, uh, Hopefully you've heard about this already. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but even if you didn't get in the practice run, you can still participate right. in the real thing. So.
3: Yep. So it'll come up uh, basically uh, a few days from this uh, from the posting of this uh, podcast. So awesome.
0: Yeah, very good. And let's move from amateur radio into open source. And tonight, the first story we have in open source is it's official: SUSE acquires Rancher Labs from a post on the Rancher forums by Adrian Goines director of community and evangelism, he states, quote, hello everyone, exclamation point. Today is a historic day for SUSE, Rancher Labs, open source software, and the developers and users of that software. After SUSE's announcement in July of a definitive agreement to acquire Rancher Labs, we are excited to confirm the deal has been completed and SUSE and Rancher Labs are now one company. We are on our way to becoming the global leader in true open source innovation." Today's article in Forbes 82 makes clear that the combination of Susan and Rancher will do for business and community as does wait. Oh, what the combination of? <laughs> as, as, I knew there was a word missing there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what the combination of Susan and Rancher will do for business and community as does an insightful Forrester Wave 11 report by Dave Bartoletti. As a combined company, our goal is to turn customers into innovation heroes and to give them the power to innovate everywhere. Heroes. Will, <laughs> yes. Uh, words thrown around too much. We will continue to offer possibilities that know no limitations from the data center to the cloud to the edge and beyond. Working alongside open source developers of all stripes, SUSE has brought open back to open source. Okay. You can't put double quotes in double quotes. Sure <laughs> you uh, as our truly open model means, for, no, you can't. Cause syntax thing. It'll, it'll, yeah, it's bad. That's okay. We didn't <laughs> even close the quote on this one. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: So those, so there's an odd number of <laughs> double quotes that, will really screw things up. Here we um, just as our truly open model me- there you go, <laughs> means freedom of choice to customers with no vendor lock ins SUSE and Rancher will deliver innovation users can trust with the union of our best-in-class Linux operating system, market-leading Kubernetes management platform, and host of innovative edge projects, ducks projects, whatever. It's all the same thing. Allowing customers to deliver innovation everywhere at the pace they need to go, end quote. Heroes! <laughs> yes, and that came from Rancher so
3: Rancher forums, woo. So
0: I I know nothing of Rancher. Really? Yeah, really. Should I? You
3: don't have a Kubernetes
0: cluster? No, no, oh. I don't have a Kubernetes cluster. <laughs> the only person, the only one of our listeners I know who does is Don. So.
3: Oh, okay. Well, we have one at work too. So, and we use Rancher as well on that. So.
0: No, we're we're uh vSphere. We don't use Kubernetes. So.
3: Yeah, well, Kubernetes is dropping docker in the 1.2 version so look forward to that <laughs> what are they using for containers <laughs> uh they're using something else i forget uh, i wasn't gonna put that that there's a story out there for that for people interested in that but uh, okay yeah yeah google, google it, it yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> not terribly relevant to what we do but none none of this is anyway <laughs> just kidding yeah exactly now <laughs> well, the next story is my favorite Fedora. Oh wait, oh okay. Well it's kind of Fedora. So this is uh this is PipeWire and Fedora thirty four. Mmm. There's a proposal to route all audio from Pulse Audio and Jack to Pipewater uh Pipewire Audio Daemon by default in Fedora thirty four.
0: Mmm. Or something.
3: Now, this is just a proposal here's here's some of the details that were listed and you can find this all in the uh, Fedora projects wiki on it. I don't know, believe this has been totally approved yet, but uh, anyway, here's some of the details. Currently, all the desktop audio is handled by the pulse audio daemon applications make use of the pulse audio client library to communicate with the pulse audio daemon that mixes and manages the audio streams for the clients we are very familiar with that. The desktop shell, Gnome shell, and the control panel, Gnome control panel, both use the Pulse Audio client libraries to manage the volume and configuration of the Pulse Audio daemon. The proposal is to replace the Pulse Audio daemon with a functionally compatible implementation based on PipeWire. This means that all existing clients using the Pulse Audio client library will continue to work as before, as well as applications shipped as Flatpak. All Pro Audio is handled with Jack Client Library, which talks to the Jack server. This proposal will install a Jack Client Library replacement that talks directly to Pipewire. All existing Pro Audio Jack applications will then work on top of Pipewire. For legacy ALSA clients, we will install also plugin that routes the audio directly to Pipewire. With these three changes, all audio will be routed to Pipewire. There will be no more need to install the Pulse Audio and Jack daemons. And of course, this is out of the Fedora project wiki. And I guess it sort of usurps, uh, uh, I don't know. Didn't pulse audio just release version 14 out in the wild? <laughs> <Making> <laughs> lots of fixes to the, uh, <clears throat> to the, uh, the flat audio or flat volume control issue that they've, they've had perpetually for quite a while. Um, so that would be a flash topic if I were to put that in here. There's, there's a new version of pulse audio out too. So, uh, won't, probably won't see that in LTS land, but, uh, um, but anyway yeah this is really cool because uh i don't know if people remember we did talk a little bit about pipewire in in some detail not not a lot of detail because it wasn't fully fleshed out exactly what it was going to do besides it was going to do everything uh, pipewire does sort of do everything it does not only audio it does video and uh, several other streaming things <laughs>
2: so,
3: <laughs> so uh, if you haven't looked at it or haven't you know, heard us talk about it. We did talk about it with, I believe Noah July was on the show and we talked about audio routing and stuff like that. And pipewire did come up. Yes. As, as a, as a minor topic, not a, not a, cause I don't think it was quite as out in public as it is now, at least with this post kind of cementing its foothold into the audio place, uh, in Linux, which I really can't. Wait long for. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be nice to see everything kind of brought together. And apparently you can also do this right now. They do have shims that allow pipewire to shim into uh, Jack and into false uh, audio right now at the moment. So you can manage all your audio with pipewire. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out. I think, uh, I think this is a good sign that the project has matured and come to a point where. Uh, we might see a future of real nice, clean audio routing inside of Linux that possibly is not convoluted <laughs> where you have to have all your Jack stuff working and then you might have to launch the application separately, uh, you know, sending them specifically to certain Jack syncs and stuff like that. Um, I don't know if anybody's done that, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a process to get everything working in Jack. <laughs> and uh, if this, can help aid with that and then also allow pulse to work which means you can still hear sound from your desktop sounds or your browser and stuff like that in your headset <laughs> it'll be great
0: <laughs> yeah cool. absolutely and it would be uh, let's let's hope that pipewire does for audio routing what version 3 did to the linux kernel <laughs> in other <laughs> words made it all usable <laughs> yes leaps and bounds uh so Jumping back to the last story, um, I have to rib Don, because he's putting all this information into the general channel, which he should be not doing, um, because I almost missed it. <laughs> <laughs> but he's talking about the Kubernetes stuff in Fedora 34. Wait, was that Fedora 34? Yeah, that's what we're talking about, right?
3: Yeah. Not Kubernetes. Uh, uh, Kubernetes oh, Susan. Yeah,
0: Sousa. Um, And You were mentioning about uh, Docker dropping, or not Docker, Kubernetes dropping Docker. And He says it's not dropping Docker. They're dropping the tools you need to build containers, uh, Docker sports CNCF, and uh, yeah, cloud native container format. And so...
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. But, like, specific Docker integration is, is going away for the other format. So, like, you, you won't set it up with your Docker file and stuff like that.
0: Right, you'll at, do... At least that's the, how the,
3: I understand it.
0: Well, <laughs> hopefully somebody from Kubernetes can come on and tell us differently if, if we're wrong. No, I don't want to know any more about Kubernetes. <laughs> yeah, I don't really want to know any more about it. Either, so.
3: All right. <clears throat> the more I see of it, the more I don't like it. But um, you know, hey, people want to run their own cloud service.
0: It's the Whatever. new wave. It's it's the new hotness. So,
3: <laughs> they do it until it falls on its face and they go outsource
2: it like
0: <laughs> Well, they, yeah, they get uh what's that company that does everything? Amazon. What? <laughs> no. Uh support company, not not uh you know, you know the one i'm talking about support company that does everything yeah the one you have to be certified for and they manage like every big business support they like third party support for everything it's not coming to me that's why i'm having to beat around this bush
3: uh, i don't even i'm not even sure yeah, i'm I have with I'm you on that. that
0: it's not it's not service master it's um it, zach zach works for um, oh
2: um yeah <laughs>
0: crap now Man. nobody can think of it so great at least no, i'm not alone
2: let me, let me look up where he works <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> which is easiest.
3: hey you gave her an excuse to go on facebook now you're yeah. in trouble
2: now i see gene gene sent me a facebook message and i was answering it.
3: ah
0: okay well listening to the show well
3: <laughs>
2: yeah he said he was busy
0: we'll have an answer for that when uh oh wait don's typing maybe he'll uh maybe he'll tell us what we're all forgetting uh what the hell is the name of it? Just, yeah. um, I know there's an S Salesforce. Type. Salesforce. That's it.
3: Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I don't really see them as.
2: Uh... <laughs> yeah, he works I, at Salesforce slash Einstein Adel- Anal- Analytics, excuse me, for advisors asset management.
0: Yeah. So anyway, yeah. Salesforce. But now.
3: Salesforce. Now Slack, right?
0: <laughs> Slack wait, force. Who, wait, who just bought Slack? Salesforce. Oh, that's right. Salesforce did buy Slack. Yeah. So I guess I was thinking of, the, if I was thinking of that, I might've come up with the name, but yeah, <laughs> it's quite possible. Yeah. A- anyway, yeah. we have one more story that we should probably get to uh, in our open source category. And that is AWS goes after Microsoft SQL server. AWS today, um, AWS today announced a new database product that is clearly meant to go after Microsoft SQL Server and make it easier and cheaper for SQL Server users to migrate to the AWS cloud. The new service is Battlefish. Wait, hasn't that been used like 30 times already? <laughs> um, for Aurora PostgreSQL. The tagline AWS CEO Andy, wait, the tagline AWS CEO Andy Jassy used. Oh, okay. For this, we really shouldn't cold read these. Um, <laughs> For the service and it is regarding invent, re, regarding invent keynote today. This, this no, that's, read. that's
3: reinvent. That's a, reinvent. A I
0: know, but again, cold read. Um, <laughs> <laughs> keynote today <laughs> is probably telling quote, stop paying for SQL Server licenses you don't need. I didn't think you had to. I thought SQL Server was free. No, it's not. Well, I mean, I know all of the versions aren't free, but I thought there was a free one.
3: Um. Yeah, I mean, you can use SQL Server Express, <clears throat> but your
0: database can only be up like one gig or something like that. Uh, okay. uh, and to show how serious it is about this, the company is even open sourcing this tool. What Babelfish does is provide a translation layer for SQL Server's proprietary SQL dialect, T-SQL, and communications protocol so that businesses can switch to AWS's Aurora relational database at will, though they'll still have to migrate their existing data. It provides translations for the dialect, but also SQL commands, cursors, catalog views, data types, triggers, stored procedures, and functions. The promise here is that companies won't have to replace their database drivers or rewrite and verify their database requests to make this transition. The open source Babelfish project, Babel babble, boop, 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 will <laughs> launch in 2021 and will be available on GitHub under the Apache 2.0 license. Cut and pasted by a DBA. Okay. <laughs> The story actually came from TechCrunch, so so if you're not a DBA, you don't give a crap about any of that. So Oh,
3: no, this is totally awesome. (laughs) This is totally awesome. I can't wait for it.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, but you're a DBA.
3: (laughs) Yeah, but, like, you know, if you have a web app, like a blog or whatever, I mean, think about it. Yeah, you know, if you got stuck using SQL Server or using some technology that wants to use SQL Server, but now you could put PostgreSQL in its place shoot why not that'd be great
0: yeah but then i'd have to learn postgresql <laughs> so. well and in,
3: in theory all you really do is you create a database and you basically can walk away from it here you know everything would already be running sql yeah well i uh, mean yeah you know, obviously they want you to use their their service well right right
0: D-B- dbaas, is, D-B-A-A-S. <laughs> right uh, which is
3: uh, you know a heck of a lot cheaper than sql server um, through the AWS cloud, because you still have to sort of, you sort of pay for the license, uh, when you do the cloud service. You pay for like a portion each month. So you're renting the license basically.
0: Okay. Fair enough. So again, if you're a DBA, that was interesting to you. Uh, anyway, we can, uh, I know we're going to take Cheryl away from what she's doing, but I just, I just, finished. you just finished. Okay. Good. Well, we have yeah. a nice short story in our Linux in the ham shack segment tonight so uh we'll let you go ahead and uh get through this one should should be straightforward i i, I actually do editing <laughs> on these i don't i don't just cut and paste so sure they should they should be readable so which one am i reading you're reading the first one. First one first linux to the hamjack one
2: yeah again i was i was answering gene i wasn't paying attention i, I
0: know you're you not part of the show i get it <laughs> i was doing pr for the show you're, okay why was gene doing for us
2: he sent me a message <laughs> about the show
0: that's PR for the show? Okay.
2: <laughs> Keeping in contact with our listeners.
0: <laughs> All right,
3: Increasing our engagement numbers, you know. There you uh, go. Uh, right. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. Okay. So. <laughs> okay, Salesforce, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever.
2: So our first story in Linux and the Ham Shack segment is Ham Radio needs to embrace the hacker community. As many a radio amateur will tell you, ham radio is a hobby with as many facets as there are radio amateurs. It should be an exciting and dynamic place to be. However, Robert Bolton, KJ7NZL, laments that the influx in in particular, of those for whom disaster preparedness is the reason for getting a license, is to blame for amateur radio losing its spark. He suggests the emphasis should move from emergency communications to software-defined radio, digital modes, and hacker-specific amateur radio avenues. The hobby offers unrivaled opportunity for analog, mixed signal, digital, and software tinkering in the finest tradition of the paths set by the early radio amateurs around a hundred years ago. Yet it sometimes seems to have lost its way for the current technical climate. This came from Hackaday.
0: Well, sort of modified from Hackaday, but yes. <laughs> so I just thought that because I don't know, pickings in the Linux and the ham shack topic area have been rather slim of late. Um, oh,
3: we just talked about, like, you know, the last uh, two releases of WSJTX. It's so exciting. Come on. You know. Well,
0: yeah. I mean, I, I enjoyed it. And this story
3: is just reiterating the fact that people should be doing these digital modes, right? We shouldn't be, you know, doing you know, Skywarn and stuff like that, right? Because, you know, emergency services really doesn't do anything for the community at large and doesn't give, I don't know, like, us an excuse to actually have priority on frequencies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm, I'm getting a i'm sensing some slight disagreement with this position
3: <laughs> well it just uh, it's uh, you know
0: i don't I, think i think the the idea of it shifting from one to the other is probably wrong it should encompass all of them this is a, a view from somebody that has joined a local club
2: <laughs> and, and probably
3: probably and pretty and they're and they're probably a hard, a hard aries club that's the view I'm, I'm sensing from this. And, you know, it's a KJ7 call, so it's a newer call. Right. So, yeah, I, I have a feeling that uh, their club really doesn't do anything except for maybe taking care of, you know, community runs and stuff like that, you know, floats, uh, um, pro, you know, providing communication support to events, which help fund the clubs <laughs> um, where the other stuff really doesn't and uh you know software defined radio digital modes yeah that's that's all important i mean it's definitely use we could use some of that stuff being used on some of the bands that aren't used as much but we do need to maintain our emphasis in emergency communications to maintain our status with the fcc so they don't auction off all of our frequencies
0: (laughs) right so everybody oh i should have issued that as our well yeah when when we uh did the last episode and i had the uh challenge the amateur radio challenge yeah i should have uh should have told everybody to get on 220.
3: <laughs> <laughs> if i plug two like uh two meter radios together can i get close
0: no because that would be like 280
3: but oh, uh, <laughs> oh. okay well I'll tune out of band a little bit <laughs>
2: isn't
3: that what mixing is right you mix two radios together and you like have a little baby and a frequency comes out <laughs> Wow. okay hey <laughs> we're hacking right isn't that hacking i'm hacking amateur radio well that, that sounds completely reasonable
0: how much have you had to drink before we started
3: well not enough i
2: think <laughs> okay so i agree so <laughs>
0: well, well like
3: pretty solid logic i don't know that's uh <laughs> well
0: it, it definitely sounded logical but just because it's logical doesn't mean it's correct oh, so well, there you go <laughs> Anyway, moving on, we got one more topic in the Linux and the Ham Shack segment for tonight, and we'll let Bill handle it since he's uh, feeling happy right now.
3: Absolutely, yeah. This is a radio remote control via HTML5. Uh, it's a common scene. A dedicated radio amateur wakes up early in the morning. Okay, well, maybe not so much, but ambles <laughs> well, over to their shack and sits in the glow of a vacuum tubes, as they call CQDX. Uh, trying to contact hams and time zones across the world.
0: Wait, let me bring this up to. Let me bring this up to the current day. A dedicated radio amateur wakes up at two in the afternoon, ambles <sighs> over to the shack, sits in front of the glow of his computer. <laughs> yeah
3: <laughs> he just, doesn't just, amble to the shack he just brings up his tablet on his couch where he uh, fell asleep the night before fires he, up wSW
0: <laughs>
3: <laughs> and wipes the uh, dorito crumbs off the tablet and, and goes uh, <laughs>
0: the next four hours yeah so exactly
3: yeah okay so uh, back to the story it's also a common scene for the same ham to sit in the comfort of their living room sipping hot chocolate oh we were almost there Uh, and remote controlling the rig from a laptop oh we were close Uh, as you can imagine this essentially involves a server running on a computer hooked up to the radio which is connected via the internet to a client running on the laptop Oliver, or Olivier, I don't know. This is a Fox 4 call, so this is probably Olivier. Fox 4 Hotel Tango Bravo saw a way to improve the process by eliminating the client software controlling the rig from a web browser. His software, aptly named Universal Ham Radio Remote, runs a web server that hosts an HTML5 dashboard for controlling the radio. It also pipes audio back and forth and can run on a Raspberry Pi. Not only does this make the setup easier as there is no need to configure the client machine, but also it makes the radio accessible from nearly any modern device. A similar closed source, mostly solution, the MFJ1234, or BrickPi, like we've talked about on the show, is available, but it's always refreshing to
0: see the open source
3: community tackle a problem and make it their own. And this came from Hackaday, and looks like the source is available on GitHub.
0: Wait, 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 where are you going? You have a thing to do. Oh, okay. Well, we'll have to pause for a moment while, uh, Cheryl takes care of some business before we get to the social media roundup. So,
3: well, we can look at this universal ham radio remote thing. I'm on their wiki or on their uh, (coughs) GitHub and it looks like a cool little display. I didn't get a chance to look at this ahead of time. Um, nice little fancy uh, control. It's already in dark mode. So gotta love it already for that. And let's see here. It's still uh it's set up for a Raspberry Pi. So this is looking pretty good. I'm not sure he wants to include his private keys <coughs> in the uh <laughs>
0: in the repo. Unless they're defunct.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh they are now.
0: Uh <laughs> well they may not be defunct, but they're now publicly accessible. <laughs> yeah. already. Oh, okay. There it goes.
3: <clears throat> ba ba a little JavaScript-y action here. I'm looking for a library. Uh Let's see. Let's see. What is that pulling up? Bah, bah. Type sheet on load. Blah, blah, blah.
0: Sounds so like all JavaScript. All, it's all JavaScript. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> What's funny, the story says HTML5. Well, HTML5 is not JavaScript, people. <laughs> oh, well,
3: I'm looking for, like, a library that he used, but it looks like it's possibly just straight JavaScript.
0: That doesn't hook into Hamlab,
3: oh well, no, I think it does, so I know I was just kind of looking at the the web stuff. see if you actually use like a toolkit, like you know Angular or something like that. Oh, oh gotcha,
0: Angular,
3: oh, this looks pretty slick. this looks pretty slick. I will definitely have to download this and try this or yeah, you know, there's the serial communication, a decode encode, blah blah blah, constants. what are you using for the control?
0: I wonder if he's doing direct control. Scary. <laughs> no need to reinvent that wheel. If, if it's true, maybe we need to mention <laughs> that there's a library for that.
3: Oh, yeah. And a, a radio station compatible with Hamlib. Hamlib. A okay. cat interface circuit making it possible to adapt audio levels between the microphone input and the speaker output of the sound card. So if you have a signal link already hooked up or something like that, similar device, or are you lucky enough to have a, Radio already has a built-in sound card, like your uh, 7100 does, or 9700, or all those uh, newer rigs, the 7300. Um, you would already have all that, and uh, yeah, once you uh, load it up, you uh, can access it on your uh, Raspberry Pi on port 8888, unless you've used that already. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> and yeah, this looks pretty, pretty, pretty slick. I like the interface. It looks, it's pretty sexy-looking interface.
0: I'm going to have to give this a shot. I have a Raspberry Pi. Well, I have a couple of Raspberry Pis kicking around. I could run this on, so I'm going to give it a shot.
3: Yeah, and I'm assuming if you're already using Pi, you can probably just slide this right on there as well and <laughs> just use it as a different interface to the
0: rig. Probably so, but I don't have one of those.
3: Yeah, this looks this looks really cool. I'm going to go to the wiki page here real quick, see if I see anything interesting.
2: Uh, Apparently,
3: it's made it out to YouTube channels. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, it's on the tubes it's on the tubes let's see how, how old is the project
0: yeah i don't remember how old that story was i think it's a couple of weeks maybe but i'm not sure how old the project is i didn't look i went to the github uh repo but i didn't look at like change log or anything so
3: yeah i mean there's some stuff three months ago yeah so the initial commit was three months ago so yeah it's fairly new yeah it's new all right cool gpl version three
0: nice it's open source and that's why it's in the linux and the ham segment so plus it's a uh, open source remote control software and we did a whole thing about remote control operation a few episodes back and um this i'm not sure was a thing then so something to add to that absolutely all right and with that we have come down to the end of our topics for tonight which means we're going to go ahead and let Cheryl hit us with the social media roundup
2: that's right. So for our Patreons, we have Brandon rosek which is a new person. Yay! Woo-hoo.
0: Yeah, and they're uh, more than a two-dollar subscriber too. Ooh! So not we're not you know shaming anyone here, but it's nice when folks think we're worth more than two bucks a month. <laughs> no, well, there's...
3: after this episode, right? Well, fix yeah, I'll well, yeah, right, yeah. yeah, we'll <laughs> take care of that. <laughs> <laughs>
0: they uh, like,
2: "Wait, no, there can't be a negative number." Your weight. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But with that said, thank you to everyone who supports us financially. Yes. It, it really does help out a lot.
2: Yes. So. so we have Brandon, we have John Spriggs, we have Robert Lewis, we have Robert Pitts, we have Douglas Redder, David Jaquay, Darren King, Cubicle Nate, Erna Costales, Samuel Vines, Peter Caffrey, Richard Gordon, Paul Griffith, Jonas Rulo, Donald Gover, Herb Garcia, Steve Saner, Steve Metcalf, William Heckelman, Randolph Smith, and Andy Webster. For our subscriptions... We have Michael Burdack, Kevin Ivey, Tony Coperly, Ronald Ikey, Johnny Kinsey, Peter Spotts, Fred Cole, Bill Piotr, Jeffrey Boris, Robert Halliday, Wayne Hale, John Clark, Steve Hepler, Michael Jopling, Roger Pereira, Howard Dittmer, Todd Bowers, Michael Carey, A. Taylor, Dylan Engel, Jim McKenzie, Bill Collins, Robert Black, Darren King, Randolph Smith, Robert Yerke, Steve Biela, Alan Wilson, Mark Farrell, and Jeff Zimmerman. On Facebook, we had Matt Burks and Nick Louie, Lou. I'm guessing is how that's pronounced. Join us. On Twitter, we had at Kossy Cave 1337 Leet. Kossy Cave Leet. leet. <laughs> <laughs> we had K0NYX. We had at Dan34567363. We had at Edward underscore Carruth. We had po, uh, Prometics. Prometics x whatever yeah um we had kc2bez and we had ve3vsa underscore ac80r O-R. or excuse me we had nobody on youtube and nobody on the mailing list and we had brandon rosek buy something from us wow yep. double double dipping yeah <laughs> did he get some stickers
0: he did get some stickers the
2: yes. stickers are cool
0: they are cool. He didn't get any of the new ones. He got the old ones, but.
2: Ah, uh, people need the new ones. The new He's gonna ones are cool. going to have to come really back cool. and buy the new
0: ones. Yeah. yeah. They're on the, they're on the shop. I mean, they can be purchased. So yes, and they're, they're like shiny and shimmery and they make you happy. So
2: <laughs> <laughs> now we need tie dye ones.
0: Well, they kind of are actually. They're, they're, well, they're, they're rainbowy.
2: They're rain. So, yeah. Cause they've got like a silver background on them.
0: So uh, what was that? Oridescent or iridescent? Iri- iridescent. Iridescent. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Probably iridescent.
0: So. Iridescent, phosphorescent Something. pleasant.
2: Ooh, we need glow in the dark ones.
0: Oh yeah, that'd be kinda cool. So. Does uh sticker mule do phosphorescent?
3: I haven't seen those. It doesn't mean they don't make them, but I almost oh. bought magnets though the other day. <laughs> magnets came up on sale and I'm like, ooh, I should buy some magnets. <laughs> And then I forgot to go back. So yeah. I'll wait till the next time they come around.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's not like they don't have a different sale every single day.
3: So Yeah, no. So I, I always keep out. Yeah, you but know, it's something that's we always get like the three inch stickers, you know. I generally will order a pack. <laughs> and right. Save the money. Uh and, and uh plus these on the interesting, like buttons or something like that. I I
0: will think about it for sure. Right.
2: <laughs> ponder, ponder, ponder.
0: Right. So. All right, very good. Well, that brings us down to the end of the show. So we'll run back up to the top and look at the chat room. And we only had a couple of folks with us tonight because I think everyone's sort of still confused about the Thursday night thing, but that's all right. Like Bill said before, everyone will get used to it and then we'll change it. Well, yeah. <laughs> because that's what we do. Uh, but we did have with us tonight, Don, KB2YSI, Don, KC9ZMY, and Ted, W-A-Z-0-E-I-R. I don't know what I was going to say there, but I know it was a zero. Um... And thanks to those who listen live and uh, actually put a bunch of different discussion into the chat room while we're in here talking about various things. And we appreciate all the folks who listen to us, whether you listen to us live or whether you listen to us via RSS download. And we certainly appreciate all the folks who support us financially as previously said, and it doesn't matter if you do support us financially or not. Just as long as you listen to the show, that's all we really need. So thanks everybody. And we hope you have uh, a good December. We'll be uh, doing one more episode before we take a break for a little while. So tune into that. Um, it will most likely be, uh, like last year, a roundtable round table sort of wrap-up of 2020, where we'll invite people to come on and chit-chat about whatever they want to talk about. And we can uh, talk about the uh, crap show that this year was. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> Yeah, and then we can look forward and hope that 2021 doesn't get worse somehow. (laughs) But anyway, with that, we'll go ahead and wrap this up and get on out of here. This has been episode number 383 of Linux in the Hamptack. I'm Russ k 5 T U
2: i am Cheryl W5MOO.
3: And I'm Bill (laughs) NE4RD73.
1: Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. The live show is recorded every Monday night at 8 p.m. Central Time, plus or minus QRL. Connect to the live stream at urlbctsinfo live. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the podcast by visiting the LHS Patreon page at patreon.com-lhspodcast or by using the contribute link on the homepage. Get in touch via social media. We have a presence on Discord, Facebook, IRC, Twitter and YouTube. Our IRC channel is hash lhspodcast on the Freeload Network and the Discord invite link is url.bcts.com info stroke discord you can also drop us an email at info at lhspodcast.info or leave us a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the online LHS merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable show themed merchandise.